What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knock a Few Buck, Daily Thunder, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Drive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y S E dot com. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co host, Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture, the show where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. So, Kenneth, before we, we begin, how are you doing, buddy? I can't complain, man. I'm here. Um, heat playing good ball. Got a lead on the Celtics. Have a chance to move up again. I, I, life is great. Yeah, I think life has been pretty good too. And to all those, to all all the all the all the moms out there, Happy Mother's Day! A, a bit a day. Well, this is gonna come up probably on Tuesday, so two days late, but you know, still Happy Absolutely. Mother's Day too. Yeah, this is the last time we talked to you, so two days belated, but Happy Mother's Day. Exactly. So anyway, the Heat's week in week in review. The Miami Heat went two and one on the week. We lost to the Mavericks on Tuesday. It was a, you know. Kenneth, as soon as, as as he saw the the schedule for the next week, he said that we were going to lose that game. I was a bit more positive, but as soon as Jimmy went was announced as he that he was out, I knew that we were probably going to lose. You know that first quarter gave us some hope, but that faded quickly. So anyway, what we're going to do this week, we're going to discuss the games fairly quickly because there's a lot going on regarding the the Miami Heat and in, and the NBA at large this coming week. So let's start breaking down the Heat Mavs game. Kenneth, what you what did you see from the game? What you like? What did what you didn't like? Um, I mean, I like the fact that we came out gunning. Um, I like the fact that they showed a little gusto. I hate the fact that they tapered off as we tend to do um, from an offensive perspective. Um, and like I said, well, as you alluded to, and as I stated last week, um, look, man. Luca is a guy that's as big as any perimeter player. However, he's the lead guard. When you look at our guards in a non-playoff setting, and I say a non-playoff setting because we aren't game planning, we aren't strategizing towards a particular player, whatever, whatever. Um, 
it just isn't conducive to beating that guy. And it didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. I thought Luca would go from 55. Although Spo deployed a situation where we threw two at him and forced him to get off of it, which then led to Timmy Jr. being open all night long, and he absolutely torched us. But, I mean, it, it, it just happened the way I thought it would happen, man. Um, to be frank, even though we both needed the game for playoff season, they needed it more. Um, they're on the cusp of a play-in situation, and we're coming off of the cusp of a play-in situation. But even still, like our road and our path looked a bit easier. So it's just for me, they needed it more. The matchup was a bad one. And although it didn't happen the way I thought it would, um, basically what I thought would happen happened. Yeah. I found that the strategy deployed by the Heat interesting, doubling, blitzing Luca whenever he got the ball. Since he's so tall and such a skilled passer, he was getting – he was getting those passes off to wide open shooters, especially Tim Hardaway Jr., who has been on an absolute heater the past couple of games. I think he last game, uh, the this last night, I think it was he scored 30, 30 plus points. And you know the guy has been, I guess, you know, hurting the franchise for which his dad played for. Make maybe makes him go, but the man was absolutely cooking us. In the- Homecoming tour, man. Homecoming tour. I mean, but the thing about it though is, Timmy Junior has like every I, I don't know every ten or fifteen games he has one of these stretches where you're like, yo, this guy's one of the best guys in the league, isn't he? And then you know he tapers off for another ten, fifteen games, and he comes back and you know twenty five, thirty. Uh, 47, I think it was early this year. Um, I mean, you know, he just, he's, he's real streaky, but when he's on, he's on. Yeah. Anyway, let's discuss the hot stuff for this game. Hot stuff. Great start by the offense. 39 first quarter points. Trevor Ariza started off scorching hot. However, he, he, I wouldn't say fell off, but he lost steam after that great first quarter. And, you know, by then, by when he, you know, started to contribute again, it was... It was over. Well, they only had two points in the remainder of the game, but you have to credit the Mavericks um, a bit because even though they didn't completely run him off the three-point line, whenever he got open, he saw multiple people. He didn't – like those shots that he got to open the game um, were pretty much – I won't say wide open, but pretty much wide open. Um, He never got that much space for the rest of the game. They adjusted. You have to give them credit and Coach Carlisle credit there. Yeah, credit to the Mavs for adjusting to – Trevor Ariza, absolutely scorching hot offense. 18 three-pointers made for the Heat, which is good. 30 assists, 17 made free throws, and Duncan Robinson and Trevor Ariza played pretty well on offense. Listen, I'm not going to discuss the band unless you want to do so, Kenneth, but I think it's a bit of a tired discussion to discuss the BAM's aggressiveness and stuff. Listen, he's not used to being the number one option, and, you know, sometimes he's not, he's not the type of player that's going to give you 25 every time you need him to this is he's not there yet in terms of his offense he passed the ball he was passing the ball pretty well and you know Duncan and Trevor picked up the slack however we lost the game in the second quarter we scored only 15 points to the maps 33 and by then the game was basically over we never recovered from that second quarter and as I mentioned cold stuff they allowed 22 three-pointers made by the Mavericks Dallas shot 53%. Tim Hardaway Jr., he absolutely cooked us. And, you know, it was just as as soon as Jimmy went out, 
this you should you could have just chalked up the L as soon as those news were were announced. And the Mavs, as you said, they were playing to avoid the plane, and they did avoid the plane. They clinched a playoff spot. I think they're going to be no worse than six. Right now, they're fifth in the West. Which, by the way, that Western Conference playoff race is something. It's some. It has been really something to look at. Hopefully, it tires them all out. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, and you know, well, not hopefully tire them all out. I'm really rooting for the Lakers to beat the Knicks on on Tuesday because if, if oh the, yeah, not the not the actual lead up as much as once they get to the playoffs. No, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I need the Knicks and the Hawks to lose every game they play from here on out. Um, and I guess once you hit the fifth seed, it doesn't really matter so much because the fourth is going to play the fifth. Um, I, as long as we play the Knicks, if we can play the Knicks in the first round, oh, man. Oh, what a gift. What a gift. That would be something. And However, I, the Hawks have a pretty easy schedule coming up. They've got the only two I disagree. Tough games, I disagree the with that, though. Tough ga- the only two tough games that I will say they have or against the Wizards who are... They have... How many games do they have left, JJ? Four? I mean, half of their schedule. Yeah, I guess half of their... However, Bradley Beal will be out for both of those games. Right. However, this is the thing I talk about with Russell Westbrook. I don't... The more superstars you put on, the more talent on a team, the better. However, when you're talking about a guy like Russell Westbrook who really... His game is suited to thrive with him being the focal point. Um... I don't know if that's good or, or I don't know if that's better or worse for Atlanta in that over the course of a whole season, yes, you want Bradley Beal in your lineup. I don't care who you have with him. But if you're talking two games when all the chips are on the line and you're saying, Russ, go out here and run this team, make sure we win this game. I don't know if that's the best situation for a team specifically like the Atlanta Hawks where your main guy is the guy who's going directly up against Russ, and he just so happens to be a whole ruler shorter and just smaller in general. Russ is really going to treat him like Sour Patch Kids. I mean, just nom, 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 nom. <laughs> I'm really, you know, I'm going to be watching those games closely, those, those both, of, both of those Hawks-Wizards games. Because Absolutely, after, and not to get that, too far away. Um, sorry to cut you up. Didn't want to get too far away from that, but I did want to touch on Bam really quick. Um, my thing with Bam is this. Maybe he isn't that guy, however, and I know we're a little bit far off. Maybe he isn't that guy, but when your main guy isn't playing, as we've alluded to, that Jimmy Butler didn't play, you have to take more shots. I understand that isn't your game, but you have to take more shots. Even if you're forcing it, you have to be more aggressive. Now, Was I mad at him? No, because, I mean, that's just who Bam is. We know that by now, as you alluded to. But at the same time, um, it it really begins to make you wonder, um, is he that guy right now? No, but will he ever be that guy? And that's the scary part about it, because to say that that's just not his game, I don't completely agree with that, because there are games such as the Brooklyn games, twice actually this season against Brooklyn, where he's looked like, the best player on the court at times. And I mean, that's in him. That just has to be pulled out of him on a nightly basis. And, you know, I blame him halfway. I mean, but I also blame us for expecting him to become something all of a sudden 
that he hasn't been all year, but I blame him for not being that because he's capable. He's shown us that. And it's as simple as taking the shots. Like we're not expecting you to make 20 shots a game, but we need you to take at least 15. And oftentimes he doesn't do that. And that's where the problem lies for me. It's not about making or missing. It's a make or miss league. You're going to miss shots. Nobody's perfect. Even Michael Jordan missed shots. Even Michael Jordan had his shot block, whatever, whatever. But Michael Jordan took all of the shots. You see what I'm saying? He took them all. And and that's my big thing for Bam. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but I had to get that in. No, I think that's those are perfectly fine points regarding Bam. I will say that, you know, his development has been incredible to watch, of course. However, that's a part of his game that he needs to work on. If he ever truly was to become the number one guy. Yeah, the number guy. I don't know if he truly wants to be that guy. Look, man, it, I, I'm not that guy to be watching another guy's wallet. Don't get me wrong. I, I hate to do this. I, I really hate to. Look, man, he's paid like a number one guy. That's why you get paid. You get paid to produce. He's paid to produce like a number one guy. At worst, a high caliber number two. So I need him to simply take the shots. That's all. There are numerous opportunities where Bam could be aggressive, go at his defender, pull up for the short mid-range, bully his guy, go over the top, whatever, whatever. And, I mean, if you'll notice in the last few games since this season – now, I will say this about Bam. This season, you can see that he hears and sees everything we say because more often than ever, he's doing the things that we ask for, even if they aren't happening as regularly as we ask for. And I use example from the Boston, well, actually a couple of games this week. Bam has made it a point to get guys in the paint and punish them with the shoulder. That's something that Bam didn't do. Bam is doing that because he sees that not only us, I'm not going to say that we have that much impact, but Jimmy has also asked for, other people have also asked for. He knows that he needs to be more aggressive when it comes to looking for his offense, and that's an easy way to get himself going. Um, he's, taking, he's taking guys to the paint, dropped that shoulder on him, banged it into him two or three times, drawn a foul, or got an easy bucket. So he sees it. He hears it. He knows what's going on. He just has to do it every game. And again, I'm not blaming him anymore at this point. I'm venting. But I'm not coming at him anymore at this point because right now, as you mentioned, that's just not him. But it needs to be him. I won't give him, I won't let him off the hook there. He needs to be that guy. I agree that he needs to be that guy. Let's see how he develops for throughout the years. As Jimmy ages, that's going to be a really important part for the Miami Heat as a whole. Because, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy's not a young guy. He's, he, what, he turned, turned 31 this year. He, and, you know, Jimmy's game might age gracefully, but it also Bam's going to, sooner or later, he's going to have to take charge of the offense. And I, and I kind of, I know that's not a topic today, and I kind of have a problem with the whole Jimmy aging thing too, because, I mean, if we look at Chris Paul, if we look at LeBron James, and not saying Jimmy is either one of those guys, but if you look at the way the game is trending nowadays, look, man, guys can play at a high level to their darn near 40. I mean, I don't want to hear the. I, I get tired of hearing the Jimmy aging thing, man. Jimmy isn't aging. That's no excuse. You know what I mean? For none of the other guys to. And I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying you hear that a lot that, you know, Jimmy's aging, Jimmy's window. Jimmy, look, man, Jimmy got four or five years of prime ball left in him. Jimmy got four or five more years of this left in him. 
I don't and care what nobody's saying. And the way he take you know players today take care of their bodies. Right. And Jimmy's, Come on, man. Jim, Jimmy's play Jim, style. Jim, go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna say Jimmy's play style. He doesn't except he's not like I don't know a prime D way who was who, right. Who right. Relied on, a, on jumping a, over people or something. He's a thumper, but he's not a faller. Like Jimmy bumps. Jimmy embraces a lot of contact, but not much of that contact is with the floor. He's delivering the blow. Jimmy isn't taking many blows. People see the bumps and saying, ooh, no, Jimmy's bringing that wood. He isn't taking the bump there. He's the one delivering the blow. So as you said, man, it's not a lot of acrobatics and, you know, stuntman type moves. Like you said, with D-Wade, who was jumping, falling, and bouncing off people like a ping pong handball, you know, pinball machine. Jimmy is delivering a lot of these blows. So I, I disagree with that. And I disagree that his decline is what's going to facilitate the BAM thing. And not that you said that. It's just that what you said brought me to that point. I think that what we're missing is, hey, why wait till one of them's declining to get the apex of another? Why not get both of them's apex at one time? I mean, BAM is just so talented that he could reach his apex in the next two years and maintain that for 10 years, as opposed to a guy like Jimmy, who you can say reached this apex where his game matched his mental match. The fact that, Hey, I can do what I want at around 27, 28, which was, you know, only about three or four years ago. I would say when Jimmy went to Minnesota is when he fully realized the peaks of his powers. Um, so as opposed to a guy like that, that had to wait till later relatively to realize the, you know, the peak or the magnitude of their power. Bam is only a year or two from realizing that. And he could be that for the next 10 years. And as I mentioned, with Jimmy being able to do this for the next four or five years, why not ask for five years of that? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess I, those are really good points. Speaking of Minnesota, let's move on to the Heat-Wolves game. You see what I did there, JJ? You see what I did? But go ahead. You set it up perfectly like a... Like a bam dribble handoff to Duncan. However, the Heat of Wolves game. Tyler Hero came back and he was sporting a new haircut. There was a lot of talk around Twitter. Did he come back and was he sporting a haircut? You mean when Harry met Lloyd? A la, you know, that, the bowl? Bowl cut Tyler Hero. <laughs> you know, somebody asked if, if, if Tyler Hero now is now Puerto Rican because of his haircut. Now, I will say, I'm a Puerto were Rican you, myself. Were you offended by that, JJ? <laughs> I was not offended <laughs> because I've seen a lot of Puerto Rican, you know, Puerto Rican dudes that have that same haircut. However, we're not, we are not all, we don't all look the same. Right. So you're saying, so you're saying they were accurate haircut wise, but the fact that they were trying to put you all in one big complexion bin, that was inaccurate. You know, I guess you know, guys from the guys from Wisconsin. Absolutely. What are you saying, JJ? What are you saying? What does that mean? I'm joking, man. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I, it's just I was I was I wasn't bothered, but I, I just found it funny. I was like, man, what what are we doing here? But <laughs> whatever. But bowl cut Tyler Hero came in and he made a really good impression. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Re returning from a what? I don't, he missed a couple. I think he missed like missed like a week or two. Yeah, definitely at least, uh, I would say, at least nine days of action with the foot. Yeah. So he came back. He looked really, really good. 20 oh, yeah, man. The break did him some justice. 27 points. He was shooting the lights out. 
And, you know, the he you know, the Wolves the Wolves offense was, you know, in it kept the game kept the kept the team in it for a couple of, of minutes there. But the Heat, you know, for the second and third quarter, they held the Wolves to less than twenty five points. However, you know, in the fourth quarter it was a bit of a, an explosion for the Wolves. There was a lot of complaining going around for from the Wolves side. And D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell got tossed, and Chris Finch got called for a technical foul. A lot of complaining from, from over there, and you know, were you shocked? Were you shocked like, I mean, were you shocked? Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of Timberwolves ball. We don't have, but my my thing with that man is, I don't know if they complain a lot. <laughs> we know the Jimmy story, though, man. Like, I mean, yeah, like I mean, even, and I'm sure we'll get to that in in a few minutes here, but. Everything that Jimmy has ever told us about Minnesota, you know, said without saying, I mean, none of that shocks me. That's the culture there, which is why they, you know, haven't been to the playoffs in 16, 17 years or longer, um, which is, well, they've only made it, I'm sorry, once over the last 16, 17 years or so. Um, which was with Jimmy Butler, when Jimmy Butler was their best player. There you go. You see what I'm saying? Um I mean, what he said about Cat, which again we'll get to, is exactly – the problem with that franchise. You know what? Let's get into it right now. I don't. That was some regular, as Anthony Edwards said after the game. That was just some two grown men talking in a basketball game. Absolutely. That's, that's stuff that happens in a basketball game. You know, a lot of a lot of chit chat going on in, in basketball games. If you haven't played basketball, you know, even at a pickup game, there's some chit chat going on. Right. That's sports, especially basketball, because you're face to face. There are no helmets and it's mano y mano as opposed to baseball, where there's an offense and a defense. What you do impacts my ability to be able to do my job. If I miss a ball, then I can't throw it to the first base guy who can get the guy out and try to get the guy out at second or double play. And with football, if you're the lineman, if you don't block, then as the running back, I can't run through the hole. And as a quarterback, if you don't protect my blind side, I don't have enough time to do my job, which is to get it to the guy that's receiving the ball, who then might get yards and get a touchdown. So you got so many different entities involved in all of those play in different sports. However, in basketball, if you got one guy on one guy, I can give him the ball off of the rebound. He can take it all the way down the court. He can do his thing on the offensive side. Do you make you look bad, score the ball all in one shot by himself. And that's the difference I would say, but also why basketball, the trash talk, it it means more. And it's just that much more part of the game. I agree. And you know, I guess some some people in the Minnesota took it took the Jimmy comments out of proportion, accusing him of being a jerk to Cat for having such a tough year and stuff. You know, I listen. mean, but but right, once you step on the court, man, look, you're a ball player. I understand you got tough stuff going on in your life, and Jimmy didn't mention that. He he was totally fair game. Everything he said was basketball related. It's the same thing he's been telling us for three or four years now. I mean. That I feel like the people that have a problem with that are, you know, again, not to talk about anybody, but everything that's wrong with society. You're so sensitive. It wasn't everything he put on it or everything you guys put on it. That's nothing that Jimmy hasn't said to Cat any other time. And he's strictly talking about basketball. And if you don't know that, then just go back and read the story from when Jimmy left Minnesota. It explains it perfectly. I guess. Maybe you know people. You know people start saying, "Oh, maybe the problem was Cat, not Wiggins." I don't know. We, I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe he he had a problem with both. I'm just saying, if you haven't watched, if you watch the NBA, you know Jimmy Butler is like that. 
he's he's a you know it's funny coming from Minnesota from people from Minnesota their their best player in franchise history was a guy who was a notorious trash talker right and he picked on guys that weren't as good as him he didn't pick on guys as good as him. KG picked on little guys, young guys or guys that weren't as talented or with the cachet in the league as him. So for them to be complaining, I mean, what an oxymoron. I mean, it was it was something – it was really weird to see. Let's but to touch, on, the, yeah, oh, to yeah? touch on yours real quick, just to tie a bow around it. Yeah, he did have a problem with Wiggins and Cat. His main problem is this. This ties the bow around it. Jimmy's issue is this. Jimmy wasn't as talented as these guys. You know, Jimmy had to work his way up, Juco, Tomball, Texas, to Marquette, to then being a late first-rounder in the league, going to Tom Thibodeau's system, playing defense, playing his tail off, working on his offensive game, and to becoming the player he is. These guys have been crowned from, you know, the All-American circuit, the AAU circuit, the Gatorade Jam circuit, the this year, the kiss your butt circuit, all the way from high school, from prep stars. His thing was, you have all the talent in the world and don't want to work hard. When I had no talent, well, he had supreme talent, but compared to them, he didn't have talent. He had to work hard to make himself the player that he is. So his thing is, if he doesn't mind coming in working hard, then you, the guy with all the talent, Maple Jordan and Cat. Um, the guy that's supposed to revolutionize the league. That's what they were saying about Cat when he came in. Um, you know, you guys should work hard. Like, why? what's your issue with working hard? Are you okay with sucking? Because that's what it feels like, and that's what he was mad at. Yeah, I guess uh, that was – I said that two years ago already, that, that was that he had set the, the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise. Yep, and nothing has changed with either of them. Neither of them have changed anything. But we don't have to spend all day on that because that's a story that's already written itself. And until one of those guys decide to change – now, don't get me wrong. Andrew Wiggins has played better since being able to slip in and hide behind those guys at Golden State because, I mean, he's not that. He's not a 1A guy, and we've seen that. But with Cat still being, quote-unquote, the guy, at least until Anthony Edwards has another year, you heard me? But – um. With him still being the guy, all of the focus is on him in Minnesota. And, you know, you can't hide from that. You're soft as baby food, as Jimmy said, in other words. Yeah, and other – they were heavily paraphrasing what Jimmy said. But, you know, we all know how Jimmy, Jimmy talks to his opponents. He he won't, he won't patronize. He, he will – he'll be – just say what he thinks. Right. Uh, for I'm, more – no, I mean, patronizing is, you know, deciphering or, or tinkering or poking or prodding or alluding to. No, Jimmy is direct. Exactly. More from the hot stuff for this game. 27 free throw attempts for the Miami Heat. A couple of them were technical fouls. 20 points off turnovers. Jimmy Butler took us home during the, during the final stretch. Tyler and Goran, they carried the bench. Whenever hello, you, listen, hello. listen, that was, that's been one of our main issues this season. In Goran's, consist- Goran's consistency, Tyler starting off the the year shooting it really bad from the field. I remember I remember when he start when he was a starting point guard and that that just didn't work. Him coming off the bench has been much more suitable for him. But both of them, twenty three and twenty seven points for each of Tyler and Goran, that's huge. Nine threes between the both of them. Nine threes. Nine threes between the both of them, and you know you count with Jimmy and Bam to contribute but you get Gorn and Tyler to contribute that's what you know, listen that's what 
got to the finals last year. That's the key. No, that's literally the key right there. They are the bench production. And once we get production from our bench, it's hard to beat us. I don't care who you are, how we're playing, and what we're doing, because we're going to make the stops we need to make. We know what Jimmy and Bam bring us. However, Tyler, Goran, and you know the other guys now, Trevor Ariza, even Dwayne Dateman. If you guys give in a little bit more, but especially Goran and Tyler, who are the keys, and Duncan, of course, you know, he's always going to be a threat. But you know, defenses are just so worried about him that if he has a, if he's shooting the lights out, which he usually he usually does, and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, I mean, excuse me, Tyler Hero and Goran Dragic play this the way that they did against Minnesota. I see a path for us to capture lightning in the bottle once again. Oh, no, 100%. I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more there, JJ. Um, and what you're talking about with Duncan is something that everybody sees, but a lot of people don't know how to articulate it. And it's a very popular buzzword that's been going around the last two years with us because of Duncan. Gravity. His gravity is insane. He shifts defenses. When Duncan moves, so does everyone else on the defense because they know. If he catches it, there's a 50% chance it's going to hit the bottom of the net. Now, his numbers this year aren't the 44% he was shooting last year on eight attempts. He's only shooting 40% on eight attempts. Now, I'm sorry for the for the drop-off. I know, I'm being <laughs> facetious there. But when he catches the ball, man, if you don't get a guy on him, there's a 50% shot that it's going to hit the bottom of the net. And so he can absolutely kill you with back-breaking shots. Interesting you bring up the rest of the guys. And as we kind of mentioned or alluded to when we were talking Mavericks there with how Ariza cooled off, he's starting to not quite as um, strong as Duncan's gravitational pull, but Ariza's also starting to have a bit of that for us because what's happening is they're either – going balls to the wall and throwing a couple of guys at Trevor or they're leaving them wide open. And when they leave them wide open, you can run back the other way because it's going to the bottom of the nets. If he can fill, if Trevor can fill, you know, in his own way, I should say, because Trevor and Jay Crowder are two different players. Trevor's better for, and I want to touch on that too. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but it's funny you mentioned that. want to touch on that. Go ahead. Yeah, if Trevor can fill the Jay Crowder role, in his own way, I should say, play hard on defense against the best wing, against the best wing player on the other team, and make your open shots. That's that will be a huge boost for us. And the offense is starting to come around for Ariza recently. I think that's that's huge for us. And the backup big man situation. Last year, we had Kelly, who by the way, who he's having. Who's having putting up monstrous numbers? Don't do that to me, JJ. You know how I feel about KO. Don't, don't you, don't you do this. Don't do this to me. The Bialis, don't make me no, relive, relive this. this. The Bielitsa thing didn't work out. However, Detman. Bielitsa is no Kelly Olenek. He cannot hold Kelly Olenek's jockstrap. I told you, don't start me up on this. I told you. <laughs> I had to do it. However, Dwayne Detman, if he can keep giving us those quality minutes, those quality fifth probably going to go up to 20 minutes in the playoffs because the rotation is going to be shorter, much shorter. Probably going to be playing seven deep. Absolutely. I hope it, I hope that, and, and, and only because I fear we're going to have to see it a little bit in the playoffs with how teams are going to play us. If you think back to the Bulls, um, the Bulls had no business being in games with us. However, and if you, you can also look at the Pacers a little bit with this too, 
teams have a bit of success with us or they think they have a bit of success with us when they go big because we're allowing so many points in the paint. So I do agree with you there where I fear though teams are going to try and deploy a big lineup. And my other fear, which is my ultimate fear in it all, is that we don't wait until the playoffs, until we deploy a Bam Deadman lineup um, with regularity, because I think it's going to have to happen there. And I want them to have at least some frame of reference of playing with each other. I, I think against Philly, if we, you know, if we have to face Philly. Good point. Good point. Well, we... See, it's funny you say that because, you know, our last um, four contests with us getting the Celtics out of the way um, on Sunday, oh, did we get them out of the way? Although we, you know, tried to make it closer than it should have been in the end. But we have the Celtics again on Tuesday, um, and then we have Milwaukee, Philly, and Detroit. Um, So we face Milwaukee and Philly coming down the stretch, and I could see those two teams with Giannis – to size and they like to play Lopez and Giannis together. And then as you mentioned with Philly size and girth, I can see us maybe having to deploy those lineups in those games, or at least trying to get a taste of those in these regular season games to see how it will look. So that's a good point by you. The flip side of that is, will Spo want to show his hand that early before the playoffs? Maybe. I think that if... If Deadman had been with the team all year and had, and even though this offseason was wanky, uh, shout out to Precious, which is another thing we could talk about later. Um, because it was wanky, I don't think that they had, you know, the full offseason regularities that they would have. But also being that Deadman came on midseason, I don't know if he can afford to do that because what that would have allowed them to do is build a chemistry, even if they hadn't played with each other in real live game action. But I feel with this limited time with the team, um, even if they have a chemistry from a camaraderie perspective, which it looks like they do, because that's another sidebar. Why does everybody seem to love Deadman? Jimmy just absolutely loves Deadman, and you can't convince me otherwise. But um, I mean, I don't know if that's something he can do because they've only had, what, a month and a half together thus far? Yeah, I think I think it's been barely. It, I don't think it's been two months. It's been a month and and a half, probably, as you said. So, I guess I'm really looking forward to those two, the Bucks and Sixers games, because maybe maybe Spo decides to deploy that that front court of Bam and Detman, which leaves some interest. Listen, Detman, he has shown in the past that he can shoot the three. Like not on a high volume, but he can absolutely. take them if he's if if he's if it's open. No, absolutely, he doesn't frighten me to death by taking the three. And it's also something that the defense is going to have to be aware of. And if you can pull the big man out of that paint, oh my lord, it's going to allow Bam space to operate. And if you're playing with Jimmy, which I don't know if you want to do that, unless unless you want to throw out a crazy uh, a, a closing lineup of. I Dead- like Jimmy Deadman lineups, man, because you know Jimmy would. This is the crazy thing about Jimmy this year. Jimmy scores when we need him to score. So fourth fourth quarter crunch time minutes, if Jimmy sees that I need to go get a bucket, he'll go get you a bucket. But Jimmy wants to drop that thing off. And there is no better drop-off candidate right now. I mean, Bam included, because Bam, Bam can do so much that he oftentimes does a lot when he should just do the simple thing. Look, Deadman don't do anything wanky. Deadman catches, he dunks it, and he runs back down the other way. So I think Jimmy... And Deadman actually make a good pair because, you know, Jimmy wants to get to the cup, draw two, drop it off, let you dunk it and run back the other way and play defense. Now, that would be 
an interesting lineup of front court of Detman, Bam, Jimmy, and probably any any guard combination that involves Duncan. I'm thinking Ariza and Duncan or Goran and Duncan. Jimmy's a, with the, with the, Jimmy would be the, def, the de facto point guard if there's Ariza, Duncan. Well, because Goran is actually, don't get me wrong, Goran can man the point guard, but Goran isn't a point guard. He's a better off-ball player when he can, you know, hit his spots, get him to rock on the wing. He can look at you for three seconds and let it go or try to go past you. Yeah, I think, you know, there are a lot of interesting lineup combinations with the current roster that we have. Let's let's finish off with this game. Cold stop for the Heat Wolves game. Fourteen turnovers by Miami. Jared Vanderbilt was a pest early on. You know, you look at the box score. You don't. You I don't think you're gonna. If you only look at the box score, you're not gonna understand what the way he was playing against us. He was a pest. He was everywhere. Absolutely. I, he was playing with a lot of energy. Only eight points, eleven rebounds, but still, it felt for a time there that he was that he wanted to go toe to toe with Jimmy. You know, obviously Jimmy's gonna win that battle. Right. But, you know, right. the guys. The guy's not afraid. So there were two tweets. There were two tweets during that game that kind of caught my attention. Of course, one of them was mine, so I should have said one that caught my attention and one that I think really stands out for me. So the one that caught my attention first was, "Who would have thought that Jared Vanderbilt would have turned into prime Dennis Rodman?" Um, (laughs) And I, but I mean, it was accurate, man. It was so accurate. And to that notion. Um, I was like, but how though? Because you can see the guy sneaking up into the passing lanes like Wally Coyote. Like, I mean, he's literally tiptoeing up and, and it has the sound effects. Ding, 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 ding. Like tiptoeing up to the passing lanes and they still throw it. And what does he do? He runs through the passing lane, steals the ball and goes the other way. I will say this though. The guy plays like he knows what he coaches about. I'm looking for you, Vanderbilt. Oh, we are definitely Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg should definitely keep an eye on that on that young man. But probably Absolutely. If, Minnesota, if Minnesota's smart, they were not gonna let him go. Absolutely. But but is Minnesota smart, JJ? Oh well. You answered your own question. There you go. Let's move well, on. That's just, this is the same franchise that has missed the playoffs for sixteen of the last seventeen seasons. So I don't know what to expect. There's also the same franchise that chose Cat over Jimmy. But I mean, you know. Oh well. Another cold thank stop you. for this game. Thank you, by the oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank them and the Sixers because the Absolutely. Sixers chose yeah, they, Brett Brown over Jimmy Butler, too. Because apparently, right. right. And apparently, isn't it like a combination of Brown and Tobias Harris? Didn't they choose them both? Because they could have – like, I think if you would have gave Jimmy the bag, he would have tolerated Brett Brown for at least one more season before he was like, look, he got to go. I, don't, I think, you know, according to the reports that I've read, I think Jimmy, he clearly – one, didn't want to play another game under Brett Brown. I can understand that too. I can understand, but you know, I think in the league with superstars, man, if you show them the bag, they realize that they have the power. So if you had given him what he wanted from a financial perspective, um, I could have completely seen him at least going back in for another half a season before he said, look, man, we got to get this guy out of here. But you make a good point too, JJ. You're probably right because I've read the same reports and based on those reports, I can't refute what you're saying. Yeah, and you know we let Minnesota mount a bit of a comeback in the fourth. We, we, we weathered that storm. Gora made a huge three in that game to basically. Oh, at the at the top of the key with a man in his face stared him down. Classic Goran, as I said, catch. Look at him for three seconds. Do you want to guard me? Don't you want to guard me? Do you feel lucky, punk? And then nail it in his eyes. You should probably do that, but with a Slovenian accent. <laughs> 
Anyway, and the defense is trending in the wrong direction this week. But we scored. But I would like to see the the offense. I don't. I would like to see us not having to sacrifice our defense to have good offense. You know what I'm saying. But anyway, let's move on to the Heat Celtics game. This was a really good offensive game. I don't. I don't know if I would call it our best offensive game of the season. However, it was a really good win. I. I don't. I don't know, man. You can argue that though. How many other games have we scored? Let me check. I want to say 79, but it's so prolific that I want to get the numbers right. 36 in the first quarter and 43 in the second quarter. That is a grand total of 79 points. How many times have we did that this season? I don't think we've done that. It was a season high. I mean, you got to say that it's probably – you might can find one if you're being a stickler, but there definitely aren't two games this season where we were better offensively than we were, even though we only scored 51 in the second half. I guess, you know, that this might be one of the best wins of the season, right up there with the Utah game that we won in Miami. That's one that comes to mind. And the bounce back game against the Bucks, where we just got absolutely... <laughs> without, remember that game where we just... It was over by the first quarter. Well, I try to forget it, JJ, but obviously you're not gonna let me. So yeah, I remember. Oh well, I I hit the wine earlier that early that night. <laughs> that was tough. That was a tough watch. Uh, that was a game that was on TNT, and the guys they basically cut to the to I think it was a Pacers game because they were like, oh, yep, well, this yep. game's over. Yeah, I mean they had set the record on us by the third quarter, man. Yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about that. Hot stuff for this game. Jimmy Butler is an absolute badass. That guy, you know, entering the fourth quarter, he, I believe he had like, what, 11 or 13 points? And he finished with 26. I remember that, I remember that when he, when we entered the fourth quarter, everybody's like, hey, Jimmy's not taking a lot of shots, you know, and, but he took over in the fourth quarter since Boston cut it to, at one point, they cut it to eight. Yep, yep. And Evan Fournier was just making, Oh, man, Evan Fournier was that dude. I mean, I looked up one time, and it was like, Evan Fournier, if you shoot that ball, Joe, Evan Fournier from three, he's now up to 14. I'm like, wait a minute, come on now. And Evan Fournier was just killing us. Jason Tatum also played pretty well. But, you know, the no Jalen Brown hurt the, the Celtics a bit. Absolutely. And the deficit was just so large, and the Heat were shooting so well from the field. They shot 57% from the field. For the entire game. That's incredible. You know, they were getting open shots. They were getting anything they, they wanted. Jimmy was driving to the rim. You couldn't stop in the Celtics. Their center problem their centers are a real big, really big problem for them. You know, last season Daniel Feist mitigated a bit of those issues. But man, they they don't Bam was was you know Bam didn't kill him like as he did in the conference finals, but they'll have real issues if they go up against either Philly or Milwaukee, which it it seems like they're gonna be going up against with Milwaukee most likely with Brooklyn sliding down to the third spot recently. So that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to to look at. I would say Tice's versatility is what allowed them to be what they were. He could not only bang with the guys down low, but then if he needed to, he could get out and make a play. And I don't feel like their guys are multiple enough right now. Um, Thompson, 
in the grand scheme of things, he's a smaller big guy, but he plays like, you know, a plotter of the 90s. And Williams, yeah, he's young and you want to say he's raw, whatever, but he's just not fluidly apt. Right. He's not fluidly athletic enough to do everything that they're going to need him to do. So they're They're going to have a lot of trouble guarding a, a BAM and a B. Absolutely. I mean, especially because those guys like to step out to that short corner, that short mid area. And once you pull him out three steps from the rim, he's toast. Exactly. More hot stuff from this game. Incredible first half. Absolutely incredible. We mentioned it. 79 points in the first half. We slowed down significantly in the second half, but the deficit was so large in that that was basically what took us home. Yep, our and, we shot, we shot, and we shot Duncan as a team from three. I mean, I'm sorry, we shot 45.7% from three. Yeah, it, it was just an absolutely great game. Duncan was scorching hot himself. from. Oh, man, I didn't think he would miss. I mean, Duncan probably had one of his mo most prolific shooting games in the last uh two or three weeks minimally, if not one of his best of the season. And yeah, he's hit, you know, as many shots or the same type of shots. It's just that to go back to the same point you were making about this is one of the best wins. It's the moment, what it meant for us and the fact of how he got it done. Um, and, you know, like you said, that's what allowed us to get to that big depth. I mean, that big gap. Um, so even once they started to close the deficit, um, because of that shooting and what they did early, it was just too much for them, man. Six players in double figures. Another, that was huge for us. For a Heat As, team? Uh, come, on, come on, man. That's that's what we mentioned earlier. If we can get man. contributions all across the board, we are really, really tough to beat. And we're one dragon point, uh, one dragon point away from having seven in double figures because he had nine. I think that's worth a mention. But he had seven assists. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that's also a really big part of it. Detman gave us quality minutes, of course. Doesn't he always? Doesn't he always? Six points, five rebounds, and two dimes. Three of three from the field in 15 minutes. One block, which was an absolute, he blasted that ball. Oh, out of man. The oh, man. When Detman, look, he doesn't, he's not Marcus Camby. You know what I mean? He's not going to block 16 shots in a minute. But when he blocks one, oh, he blocks one. I mean, that block. You look at the Rudy Gay block. Um, when Deadman blocks your shot, he blocks your shot. Yeah, there's no doubt about it when he does that. Iguodala got pulled early. He only played 12 minutes. I noticed that. Spo usually leaves right, him out there right. for a bit. You wonder if that has something to do with the same hip that um, right, they, they mentioned. They mentioned he was in the injury report before the game. But you can also look at the fact of this. Out of the four bench guys that play, because we only have four bench guys that play in Iggy, Deadman, Drogic, and Hero, um, nobody played over 18 minutes off the bench except Drogic, who played nearly 30 minutes at 29. Everybody else, um, they kind of kept their minutes in that range. So relative to the type of minutes they'll be giving us moving forward, the type of minutes they've given us when we've been as close to full health as we are now, I don't know if it's anything strange as much as it is the way the game felt. Because um, Iggy, as I said, mentioned, well, as we mentioned, he only played 12 minutes. Deadman, as we mentioned, only played 15 minutes. And Hero only played 17. Whereas Drogic was the only guy off the bench to even get close to a starter's load, as we mentioned, at 29. So maybe um, that was more a game flow and how he coached it as opposed to something being wrong with Iggy. Because another interesting fact is though K9 started 
he only played 24 minutes. So Drogic outpaced him by five minutes, which, you know, is something worth noting when you're looking at how the bench guys were dispersed. Yeah, and of the starting lineup, he was the one that played the the least amount of minutes by far. Right, Jimmy, right. Jimmy almost logged 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you look at the stat board, well, if you look at the box score, it does have him at 40. So we can go ahead and flush it there. Yeah, he, he played 40 minutes. That's that's what we mentioned last week, that those two fourth quarters that he sat out are huge for him. Because you can play him now during the stretch run, you can play him 40 minutes in order to to secure the seating. Exactly. Because exactly. if you avoid the playing, you have a week off. And that's what I think we should stress. And, and not only that, man, like we mentioned earlier, if we can somehow get into one of those fourth or fifth seeds, you can go. I, don't get me wrong. I don't mean to sound cocky. Cocky Heat fan bike. But if we can secure a matchup with the Knicks in the first round, I would sleep so much better. Oh, absolutely. Off, it's just an awful matchup for them. We do the same thing. We just do it better. Exactly. And, you know, I really... I, you know, Bam matches up so well with Randall. It's, it's and they're often so rely solely on Randall. Absolutely, Bam is one of the only guys quick enough, yet agile enough, yet strong enough that can guard Bam. That can guard Randall. Usually, guys quick enough aren't strong enough. Usually, guys strong enough aren't quick enough. Any guys with both of them, they aren't agile enough. So he puts you in a position where you can't guard him without fouling him, and that is a Bam. Bam is his perfect antithesis. That's that's our, he's our trump card against the Knicks. And, and, you know, obviously, listen, the Knicks have been a much better defensive team than us this season. But I think we have the personnel to match up with them. Absolutely. Toe-to-toe. And we can go toe-to-toe with them. I think that would be a blast of a series. Throw would, it, throw, throwing it to, back to the 90s. Absolutely. To, to, to piggyback on what you said... They have been much better defensively stats-wise, but I would also say this. That's because they don't have the top-end offensive firepower that we can muster up at our peaks. They couldn't do what we did against Boston yesterday. So don't get me wrong. While I would like our defense to be locked down every night, they have to do that. If they don't do that, there's no chance they could win. Whereas, and again, you know, I wish that we wouldn't depend so much on our offense to carry us through as much as there are just moments where we're going so good on offense that the defense lags, but the Knicks can't ever afford to do that. They always have to play great defense or they're going to lose because they don't have that top-end offensive firepower that we can throw at you when we're getting right. They don't have a Duncan who can go, six of 10 from three for 22 points. They don't have a Goran Dragic who can come off the bench and give you a 20 piece. They don't have a hero who can come off the bench and give you a 30 piece if you need it. So they have to hold you under 95 points in order to win. That that would be the only difference. Whereas and I they, feel like, go ahead. They, they still love to start Elford Payton, which, you know, in, oh, immediately man. gives us an advantage. Oh, man. I mean, we don't even have to talk about that. That's two turnovers off the rip. <laughs> yeah, Knicks fans, uh, I, every Knicks fan that I follow, they all say the same thing. Why are we still starting Alfred Payton? They say that you, they basically like to to start the game with one hand tied behind, behind their back. Right, but I think that's so that um, I would argue because that's so Tibbs can kind of manage and plug and play Derrick Rose as his trump card when he wants to. Because I mean, 
I honestly think he wants to start Derrick Rose, but for him, Derrick Rose is kind of like our Goran Dragic in that, yeah, Goran could start for us still now, but for our team to run at peak efficiency, it's better to intermingle and intermix him with that reserve unit to give them some punch. And I think that's kind of how he deploys D-Rose. Unless they take our approach from last season, which during the playoffs, we just started Goran and he just went bonanza on the other teams. CJ, you're stepping on my toes again because I was going to get to that. But yeah, I think that's what he'll end up doing come playoff time. Come playoff time where you're showing your rotations anyway and you're playing your best seven or eight guys consistently, I think Derrick Rose will start. Yeah. That, um, I re- I'm really hoping for a next Heat series because that will, I, that will be something. That will, be prob- that will probably be one-off, if not the best first round series in the east i can agree with that hands down because you're you're looking at a certain level of physicality you're looking at a certain level of basketball um from a both sides perspectives that even the purists can appreciate let's just put it like this you plop hubie brown down in front of a Knicks heat series he's not leaving oh no and you know i'm amazing but but hubie brown is still amazing though Exactly. He's not like, well, you know, the, the other guy at Turner Sports. I don't want to disparage anybody, but dude, bless that guy. He, he should, Who we he should retire. About, Marv Albert. Uh, oh, oh, man. Don't talk about Marv. Marv, get a name, get a name wrong, Marv. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> all jokes aside, the guy, he's constantly confusing players. And I, I just can't. At least I, he I went, get it, I get it. It's just, it's just so funny to me. Oh, no, Hubie still, still is sharp as a box cutter. Like, I mean, Hubie still has it all up top. Whereas I can understand, I'm not saying Marv doesn't have it all up top as much as I agree with you. Marv will call somebody the wrong name quick and just keep going, won't he? Yeah. I mean, I love the games where Mark Jones and Hubie Brown are together because those... those Mark the Jones chemistry, chemistry, man, the chemistry between Jonesy and Hubie Brown is next level. Next level. I 100% agree with you. There is no better combination. When you're looking at the pair, I can't think of a better. I, I will say this, though. I will, I'm will. i sorry. When Stan Van is commentating, um, because of his voice, his knowledge of the game, and his perspective, the way that he doesn't care what he says, I do like um, Jonesy and Stan Van. But, of course, Stan Van is coaching right now, so he's not doing too much commentating. Yeah, well, let's hope that. Stan Van does a, a better job down in New Orleans because it's weird things going on down there. Now, See, this this isn't a New Orleans podcast, but we could do a whole nother show about that too. I get tired of people blaming Stan Van for lack of discipline among their players. Stan Van's system works if you do it, but you can't just play one side of the ball in Stan Van's system. And that's the thing with the Pelicans. They play one side of the ball. But again, this isn't a Pelicans podcast, so we won't go there yet. If anybody wants to start a Pelicans podcast, the Hoop Pets Podcast Network is looking for existing or new NBA pods. So give a shout, give a give us a call, and and, and we'll see what we can do. Look at you promoting. <laughs> anyway, let's finish off this Heat help this Heat Celtics game because we there's a lot of other stuff we want to talk about. Defense was was an issue for the second game in a row. Celtics came back in the fourth. We allowed Boston to shoot 54% from the field, and we only got 18 points off 14 Boston turnovers. We should be better in that department. With the start of the NBA season in full swing, we invite you to come and hashtag prop op on Thrive Fantasy this season. 
Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. For example, in the NBA, you choose 5 out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has thousands more guaranteed for the NBA this season. Use promo code JIMMY, that's J-I-M-M-Y, when you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag PropUp today. And we're back. Okay, let's discuss our All-NBA teams. For my first team, I got Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic. Now, Kenneth, do you agree you got – what's your first team? Um, I, I, I pretty much agree with you there, except I will make an argument that you could place Harden on that first team and drop Curry down to that second team. Although, if it were me, considering what Curry has been able to do for his team alone um, and with their injury situation this year and the records he's broken and all of that jazz and still has them fighting for a play-in slot, I would probably go Curry, Harden, Leonard, Giannis, and Jokic and drop um, Doncic down to that second team. Personally. Now, that's where, that's where it gets interesting because if Harden didn't miss, what, 10 fewer games, I would absolutely have him first team because he was brilliant when he was playing. However, he's missed a lot of time. And, you know, I get that weighs heavily on my mind. And Luca has been available for his team. They are currently the fifth seed, I believe, um, in the West. And he has been the, aside from, you know, Porzingis has been really inconsistent this season. And, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., as we said, as we mentioned earlier, he has been, you know, he's, he's on his hot streak right now. But I guess I, I Lucas just been incredible this season. So I, I and I I can't argue with your selections. For me, it's Harden carried the Nets. The Nets are where they are because of the head start or the setup that James Harden got them. Because when Kyrie and KD were inconsistent with games played, the guy that was there night in and night out getting it done, and I mean in an MVP fashion, was Harden. Um, and he did that for 30-something-odd games. Once he came over from Houston, he hit the ground running. Um, and that's even without Kyrie and KD intermittently. I feel like, you know, he got the job done. Whereas Dallas, I'm just going to be more frank. Luka has more around him than Harden had around him without Kyrie and KD. That's fair. But I think the the availability. And, I, and that's why I said I can't argue with you there. 20, Doncic is no, averaging no, 28, no. 8, and 9. That's just incredible. Let me ask you this. With that, though, shouldn't Doncic then be higher? If he's that caliber of player, should they be higher than the fifth seed? That's a good point. However, listen, I think Dallas' supporting cast is a bit worse than we think. I agree with you. I, I'm not saying relative to the whole thing. I'm just saying if you take Kyrie and, and KD out, who didn't play a ton across that 30-game or so stretch that we're talking about with Harden, um, 
line those guys up next to what Dallas has, and then you tell me who's better. That's that's fair. Again, I wouldn't have Doncic first team if Harden didn't miss that many games. But the games missed really, really skew my judgment. We are in agreement in the front court. Leonard, Giannis, and Jokic. Jokic is the MVP in my book. Absolutely. Gian- Giannis basically putting up the same stats that he has put up in his last two MVP seasons. And Kawhi Leonard, you know, the Clippers have been a bit under the radar this season, which is weird considering their incredible playoff failure and the massive amount of hype that they had the previous season. But Kawhi has been excellent this season. Best forward, one of the best wings in the league. And if you look at the Clippers, they are, what's the word I want to use? I don't want to use exponentially, but they are, they're just better when he's on the floor. They're they're better. 25-6-5 for Kawhi. Really efficient shooting. The guy has just been stupendous as he has been for the last what five or six years since ever since he just broke out into the scene and he has been getting better and better and you know he continues to miss games he missed some games but not enough for me to consider him to the forward spots you know there have been a lot of missed games among the forwards excluding randall because you know the knicks didn't play barely played last season they had a lot really Long layoff. Randall, Randall's in my second team. I'm just gonna spoil it for you. Uh, so, I, I, I can see. <laughs> <laughs> for for the listeners, so the right, second right, team, right. I've got Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Julius Randall, and Joel Embiid. Um, I will be honest with you. Jimmy makes my third team. Jimmy doesn't make my second team. Um, for my second team, again, considering I would probably bump Doncic down, um, to the second team and keep Curry. Now, I mean, you could, and the reason I bumped Doncic down because Doncic is, even though he's a point guard, he's more fits into a traditional forward's body. Cause I mean, if you could play with him or Curry in the second team, but let's just say since I left Curry and Harden in the first team for my second team, um, I'll probably go. Doncic, Lillard. You can always have, put you can I always have, put Doncic at the, the forward because he's eligible at forward. Right, right. So that's why I said um, I would move him down first. But I'm gonna go Doncic, Lillard. You're gonna hate me here. I'm gonna go LeBron. Oh, that's tough, man. Do I want? I don't want to do this, but I guess I have to. I'm gonna go LeBron. I'm gonna go Paul George, and then I'll go Joel Embiid. That's fair. I, I don't. I, I, my thing with Paul George is you, you can't argue with what he's did. You can't argue with the numbers. I just think he should be better without Kawhi Leonard. Hmm. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna lie to you. I haven't watched a lot of Paul George without Kawhi Leonard, but the games that I've watched with both of them. He has been sensational. He has he, he has been really good this season. Absolutely. No, you, you can't ask for a better number two. If number two was in the dictionary, it's Paul George. So he's in my 13, Paul George. I I love LeBron, but he you know, and he was probably my front runner for MVP when it when it was between him and, and Embiid, when and the Lakers were the first seed and the Sixers were the first seed. But the, the amount of games he's missed, 
that really that really gives me pause. He's in my you 13. Want me tell you, tell you, you want me to tell you why that isn't fair, JJ? That isn't fair because over the course of his career, we've constantly had LeBron fatigue and not giving him proper, like, to be honest with you, LeBron should have 10 MVP awards. So if we're not going to consistently give him the accolades because we're saying, ah, oh, you're so good, we're bored of how good you are, then we have to appreciate how good he was when he was on the floor this year and give him the same break on the other side for missing a couple of games for injury. Regardless of the injury, just taking into account what they did when they were on the floor, of course, providing that they, you know, of course he didn't play 20 games, but, you know, over the course of the majority of the season where he did play, if you take into account his performances, he should honestly be first team. But because he has missed so much time, you have to give him second team. So I guess my point is we can't have fatigue when he should have been the MVP over the last 10 years where he played the majority of the games or more games than 95% of the league and then treat him like, you know, he's missed half of the season when he misses, you know, a couple of games this year for a real injury. That's my argument there. I see what you're saying, but just, just there's a lot of deserving candidates in the front corpus in the front court positions. Okay, answer me this. How many of them are more deserving than Braun? Well, if he had played every, like let's just say he has missed ten less games, he would be my first team. Absolutely. But as we mentioned, then comes in Jimmy Butler as he has been playing outstanding basketball. Julius Randle has been incredible. And then you got Giannis and Leonard with their year round excellence. I personally don't see, couldn't justify putting him in the second or first team, but I do reward him with a third team, which is, which is his second third team in the last three years. Because as you remember that first season with the Lakers, he was named to the third team, although he missed a lot of games too. Absolutely. I agree with you. I can't be mad at you there. So in my third team, now that we're speaking of that, I've got Devin Booker, James Harden, Paul George, LeBron James and Rudy Gobert. Hmm. Now this is where it gets wonky for me. I would probably go. I would probably go CP. I would probably go Kyrie. I would probably go KD there as well. That's why I would go Jimmy, and then I would go Gobert. Katie and Kyrie are my first two honorable mentions. They have been incredible whenever they play. But again, you know, this season there has been a lot of missed games. A lot of Katie, missed games, and I Katie understand in that. Katie in particular, he missed a lot, and I mean a lot. I think he missed like a month or so. And Kyrie has been in and out of the lineup. You know, either personal issues, injuries, and stuff. So, and Booker has been consistent all year long. I think he's been I think he's been more up and down than consistent, but I, I can't argue your point in that they're consistently winning and the things that he's doing um, are consistently leading towards winning. But I'll offer you this over the 31 games that KD's played, he's averaging 28.2, 7.1 rebounds, 5.2 assists on 54 percent shooting from the field and 46.9 percent from three. Again. 
I'm not disputing his play. He's, he has been incredible. I, right. Absolutely. I just wanted to highlight that. I mean, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. The man's 30. The man's walking 30 on 50% from three when he's playing. Just, you know, just, just, just putting it out there. But, you know, I – and James Harden, of course, we mentioned him. He, he would be my first team guard if he had missed – if he had missed a bit more, less games. Paul George, excellent. LeBron James, same – same story as Harden would be in my first team if he didn't miss that amount of games. Gobert, listen, I'm not a guy who hates Rudy Gobert. I just don't think, you know, at he excels at a very specific role, but that role he executed so, no, he so much better. It. He maximizes he it. He executed so much better than any else in the league that it, he's, his screening is vital to the Utah Jazz offense. He's he's a deterrent at the rim. He basically eliminates the rim. He's the definition of be a star in your role. Exactly. He just eliminate he eliminates the rim. When he's there, teams actively avoid shooting at the rim because there's no you're gonna either get blocked or you're gonna miss. And that then sets off the the jazz to offense in motion. Absolutely, to so get out, get out, and gun it, gun it. Exactly. So, but as we, as it has been well documented, you know, he struggles to keep up in the in the perimeter, and st- and such. But re- I think we should reward him for how excellent he is in the specific role that he executes. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think there's another guy that plays the center role like Gobert does. Embiid is really a hybrid, even though he's a center. He's really a hybrid. Jokic is a hybrid, even though he's a center. He's really a hybrid. Um, but Gobert plays the game like you when you think center, that's how Gobert plays the game. And as you've mentioned several times, he absolutely maximizes that role. So you have to reward him there. By the way, with the with the position stuff that is happening, why don't we go ahead and name and name Jokic eligible at guard? Because he is the Denver Nuggets point guard. If you absolutely. have watched absolutely. Denver Nuggets games. Absolutely. That's what, that's what listen, I don't. It doesn't bother me when a guy like LeBron last season, he was eligible at guard and forward because LeBron was essentially the starting point guard for the Lakers last season. But it does bother me when you make Jokic and Embiid eligible at forward because the guys haven't locked a single minute at forward. So what are, what are we doing here? Just either make for the all-NBA teams positionless or you, or you do it right. I think that's marketing more than anything, man. Wanting to get all of the guys that you want to get recognition into an all-NBA team so you open up the parameters so that you can fit those guys into those teams. Well, that's probably it. Yep. I, I heavily disagree with how they, especially the Embiid Jokic case. Oh, I disagree with it too. I was just, you know, in theory, that's probably what's going on there. Now let's move on to the all-defensive teams. Now this is where the eye test is really... It's really what keeps it, what makes it here because there's not a real defensive stat that can tell you how impactful players, they provide you more or less a guide. Yep, yep. But, you know, defensive rating, that's, people say, oh, Caruso is first and I think he's in top three in defensive rating. Yeah, but that's how the team performs on defense when he's on the floor. Not an overall measure, 100%. Exactly. So you have to take into account the other four guys that are with him. And the Lakers, you know, 
they have been excellent on defense all season long. They're the best team. They're the best defensive team in the league, even without with LeBron and AD missing an extended period of time. Caruso has been excellent on defense. I'm not gonna deny that, but I we're gonna get into that later. My first team: Simmons, as in Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna sound a bit of, of a home, like a bit of a homer here, but mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I generally believe this. I think Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo should be first team all defensive players. I know the Heat have the eighth ranked defense right now, but those two guys are central to what we do. Because Absolutely. if you look at look at the rest of the rest of the roster, you know Ariza and Iguodala are are good defenders, but what Jimmy and Bam allow us to do in our blitzing scheme, whenever we we blitz the the primary ball handler, and there's Jimmy lurking in the passing lanes, or when we switch and Bam switches out to the perimeter and guards the uh, the other team's point guard, and then we switch again, and he's guarding Or comes up, and he's the second guy on the double team. He blitzes, but after he blitzes, he gets back to cover, and then when you try to make the cross-court pass, he's also the guy that steals the ball. Exactly. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That's crazy. So Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are as integral to a defensive scheme as any other two players are. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've got Butler and Adebayo. And Gobert, who's the presumptive defensive player of the year. I would just cheat, but either way. <laughs> so, who do you have on your first team, all, all defensive first team? Looking at your defensive first team, I would go back to the position thing that we had with the all-NBA teams. Um, I don't differ much from you, except I would drop Holiday down from position-wise to be my second team guard. So, I would probably go Simmons, Tybal, or Tybal. Butler, Adebayo, and Gobert. My second team, I know you haven't given yours first, but just to open the discussion up, my second team would start with Holiday. Then it would go OG and Anobi. Then it would go Kawhi. And um, then it would go Kawhi. Then it would probably go Giannis. <sighs> this is where I struggle because I'm going to be honest with you. Clint Capella has been a man. I mean, Capella has been... 20 boards, 15 points, and I know it's not a points thing, but 20 boards, 15 points, and three blocks all season long, it seems. So I'm going to give – People forget rebounding – defense rebounding is part of defense. It's part of defense. That's finishing the defensive possession. Um, So I'm going to give Capella the nod there. I like MB, but I feel like with Ben Simmons um, patrolling the way he does – MB can kind of sit back and do his Gobert thing on defense. Hey, I'll just block I'll just block everything that comes to the room. For my second team, I've got Thibault. Listen, he I know he only plays 20 minutes a game, but as we mentioned. Oh, he's our- a stud. All 20 minutes, he's probably your most impactful defender for 20 minutes. The whole 20 minutes he's on the floor, he's probably your most impactful defender. For 20 minutes, he erases the other team's player. He just erases that guy. Of the floor. You're playing essentially four on four because you're not going to do anything against him. So I got Matisse, Thi- Matisse Thibel, excuse me. And Anobi, I think he's eligible at guard. Anobi should be eligible at any position because Absolutely. The, the, the Raptors he, deploy him at I center sometimes. He plays every position. <laughs> exactly. So I got Anobi. Aside from Bam, he aside from Bam and Simmons, I think Anobi, Bam, and Simmons are the three most switchable defenders in the NBA. They can I'm, guard anybody. I'm going I'm to I'm throw Jimmy into that list. Jimmy, I think, 
maybe against Sanders, he can hold his own. Look, man, I'll take it. Look, i take it back to Denver a couple of weeks ago. There were three possessions where Jokic got the ball with Jimmy on his hip, and he wanted no parts of that. That is true. Jimmy's, Jimmy's just so strong. Right. He got Jimmy. He thought that he was going to bully Jimmy. He tried to back up, and nobody moved, and he kicked it back out. I have to throw Jimmy in that list, JJ. I think that that's fair. So I got Thibault, Ananobi, Draymond Green. The, listen, the Warriors have a top five. Oh, I, I can't argue with that, bro. Like, I struggle with Draymond. If, if we had a third team, he'd definitely be the headliner. I wanted to put him on my second team, um, but here's the thing. I don't know where to put him, and I think um, Ananobi really does that for me because if I'm going to put Draymond there, I have to take Ananobi out. And that may not make sense to you, but I feel like when you're talking about guys who can switch and do it all, Draymond is probably the fifth member of that team, but him and Ananobi are kind of the same guy to me. Defensively, defensively. Because, also, I'm, all, I'm, a, because I'm assuming offensively, OG is so much far ahead, but go ahead. I'm assuming Ananobi is eligible at guard, which I think he is. Right. He's he's actually listed. I think they list him anywhere between the two guard and a small forward and a power forward and a center. I think he's been listed at two through five at different points this season. Because, listen, he exactly he's the only position he hasn't played is the point guard position right but he can guard anybody oh i was so gonna I'm say gonna, i'm sure he could guard your point guard if you needed him to so to recap we got thibel og ananobi draymond green this is very good we got Giannis. Giannis maybe may be the best help defender in the nba absolutely hands down he has those long arms and that athleticism he'll just Come out of nowhere and swap that shot or just contest you. And what separates a guy like Giannis that you just touched on a little bit of it? What separates a guy like Giannis from, you know, the Go Bears and the MBs who let their perimeter defenders do the work and funnel you to them is Giannis will get out, drop back, and then be the help guy to swatch your shot, then be the help guy to come in and poke it out before you get up. Or like you said, simply just extend himself and make it impossible for you to get a good look. <laughs> those arms are good. Those arms. They never stop, bro. They never stop. So I've got Green, Thibault, Ananobi, Green, Giannis. And for my center, this is where it gets really dicey. I've got three candidates. Mm. Capella, Embiid, and Miles Turner. Mm. You can't go wrong with any of those. I would throw Embiid out because, like I said, I think that he has a built-in advantage with Ben Simmons. You can't go wrong with Turner or Capella. For me there... What was separated is the everything else they do. Turner's a peak shot blocker. Capella's a peak rebounder. But can Turner rebound like Capella? Yeah, that's the thing. How whereas when, whereas when, I think and, Capella... And Turner could, has missed some games. Right. I, I think Capella could block shots like Turner. I don't think Turner could rebound like Capella. However, when I'm looking at Embiid, Embiid is one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. This I know that you you mentioned that Simmons Come on, is bro. out there. You, you, you play with Simmons. You play with Simmons and Tybal. Like I mean, how are you not? I'm gonna give it to Capella ever so slightly because Embiid and, and Turner have missed some games. I agree. Now again, yeah, I throw that. I throw it back to that. I'll, I'll stand on this rock and die. When you got Tybal and Ben Simmons running them right to you, all you got to do is put it out of the seats. Well, put it out of the uh, the airways of the rim. I mean, that that's into the seats is what I meant. That, that's a pretty easy gig, especially when you're 7'1 and pretty athletic. 
But I, I, you know, I can't argue with you. So, yeah, those are those are my two all defensive teams. Uh, just listen. This was shout out to Caruso, as we mentioned, to Paul George, Miles Turner, Mikael Bridges, who has been really good for the Suns defending the opposing wings Absolutely. and guard Absolutely. players, and Yaka Portal. And you also got to give CP some love there too, because if we had four teams, CP would make it. Because CP, you look at what he's doing on offense at 36 years old. But if you watch the man's defense, he's still locking up point guards. Dude, yeah, the guy, and he's so sneaky. He just gets a steal. Uh, Absolutely, pokes but he's strong you. too. He doesn't mind putting his face in it. Exactly. Like, and that's the difference between him and a lot of guys. He'll still sacrifice his body to get in the passing lane. So, I think that was a pretty good pot, Kenneth. Let's look ahead at the week to end, to wrap this up. We got the Celtics again tomorrow on Tuesday. We're recording on May 10th. Then we got the 76ers on Thursday. Bucks on Saturday. And to wrap up the regular season on Sunday, we have the Detroit Pistons. And it's been now, announced. It's been announced that that the games on the fifteenth and the sixteenth will all happen between twelve and three thirty p.m. too. So there's a note there. They'll all be afternoon games. I mean, if you want to look at how each team performs in the afternoon, I think that's probably something you could look at there. Pistons are on the second night of a back to, on the back end of a back to back. Nah, the it's, 76ers, the, it's the Pistons, JJ. Come on now, it's the Pistons. We should win that game. Well. Well, we should win that game, but you know, I are on the on the side of caution. I do. I understand. It isn't the Mavericks, though. I'll tell you that. I don't think. Listen, we mentioned last week. I don't know if I don't think the Sixers will rest guys. No, because not, not against us. They want to prove. They, they, they want to send a not, message. Not against us. If it were any other team, I think they'll rest them. They, they would, essentially but, have. But, they have essentially locked off the first seed. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn but and as, Milwaukee, as are, mentioned. As mentioned, because it's us, they're going to be like, nope, 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 exactly. nope. Brooklyn and Milwaukee are three games behind the Sixers. It's extremely unlikely that they catch him. So Philly essentially has locked up the first seed. However, the Bucks and the Nets are in a battle for the second and third seed. Right now, we are the sixth seed. So I guess the Bucks want to avoid us at all costs. And Absolutely. I think nobody wants to play us if they have the option. Because you're going to get a, if you get the second seed, listen, it's such a huge advantage. You get the second seed, you're going to get a team from the play-in tournament. They're going to be tired. And you're going to have a week off. Those guys are going to come off after playing one or two games. Well, well, if you're the, yeah, we're going to come off playing one or two games. That's going to be tough for the seventh seed. And the, right now it's Boston. Charlotte, Washington, and Indiana for the for the playing tournament, and and the the Wizards have a chance of catching Charlotte in the standings. And and I do think now I will say this: I don't know if any of these teams want to face the Wizards. No, because because the Wizards have two superstars, and when you have and superstars, you can win. They're they're a well-oiled machine right now. They are playing extremely well. So, predictions for the week, Kenneth, before we wrap this up. Uh, I'm looking, man, uh, I say two and two at worst. I honestly think we can go three and one, though. 
I think the I Philly think, game. I think the Philly game gives us problems. I think we should beat Milwaukee. I think we should beat the Celtics twice, especially with the way they came back Sunday. Um, but also considering how we jumped out on them. But I think, as I mentioned, Detroit should be a pretty easy game. Um, last game of the season. But you know, at best three and one. At worst, two and two. I think the Heat. They're going to bring it against Philly. Mm. I think. However, I think. I think they'll probably lose to the Bucks, because if the Bucks are gonna be, I listen. I don't think. I don't think Philly's gonna be, all that interested. And if and if they get, if the Heat build up a, a large lead, you think they'll wave the white flag? Yeah, they have no reason to expend that much energy, on a regular season game when they have essentially locked off the best record in the in the conference. I agree. I agree. So what you're saying is the game plan should be get a 20-point lead and see what happens. I think we should go at them with everything we have in the first quarter. Take it from there. Huh? I like your plan, JJ. The Bucks game, however, I think the Bucks every time they see the Miami Heat on the calendar. Oh, no. They, they hate us. They hate us. We, we ruined their lives last year. I think they're going to bring it against us. I think we probably lose that game. So I'm going to say, next, this week I'm going to play the pessimist part. I'm going to say two and two. You play the pessimist this week? I think you do that every week, man. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I, I'm last joking. week I'm I, was the, I was the optimist. I know, I, I know, I, man. I know, I know. I'm a realist, JJ. That's what I am. I'm going to play the pessimist. I'm going to say two and two with, with, with wins against the Celtics and the Pistons. But with loss. Wait, wait. Ugh, I got confused. Yeah. With a win against the Celtics. And a loss against the Bucks, and probably, oh man! Even though I I mentioned that game, I think we probably lose to the Sixers. I don't know. That gives me a little bit of pause. You know what? I'm gonna change my prediction. We're gonna go three and one. We're gonna, go, <laughs> we, we're gonna beat the we're gonna beat the Sixers, and we're gonna lose to the Bucks. Okay, I'll meet you in the middle and agree with you. We're gonna go three and one. I don't know which game we'll lose between the Bucks and the Sixers, but. We're going to win one and lose one. We're going to split those games, beat the Celtics again, and beat the Pistons to close the season. So, to finish the week, the Heat ranked 19th in offensive rating, 8th in defensive rating, 15th in turnovers per game, and 15th in three-pointers made. Anyway, thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. You can also listen to us on Dash Radio via the Nothing But Net station. Follow Miami Heat all week long. And let's see where the playoffs take us. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.